Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. I'm Heather Evans. When my twins were born at 24 weeks gestation, I began to think about the uniqueness of each of our motherhood journeys. I also began to understand the importance of education and support from other moms, no matter how different our lives may be. Each episode will highlight one mother's journey and the lessons she has learned on this crazy path we call life. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the Mama Sisterhood. Welcome back to the Mama Sisterhood. I have Alex Slate with me here today. Hi, Alex. Hello. Alex has a very unique motherhood story that I'm really excited to bring to you today. So why don't we start out, Alex, can you just sort of tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you live, your family, whatever you'd like to share? Sure. So <clears throat> I, I live in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Um, I am a real estate agent. I have gone through tons and tons of infertility to get to the point where I am now. Um, and I live with my husband and now my, my two babies and my two cats. That's awesome. We have two cats here as well. Oh, um, lovely. But your two babies are a little bit different than like when my two babies were that age. So yes. um, why don't you start? We're going to get into the details, but just to kind of let people know about the uniqueness of what we're talking about. Why don't you tell us like how you refer to them as opposed to twins and then how old they are now? Sure. So we, um, we don't call them twins because they are technically not twins. They are seven weeks apart. They are um, they are genetically completely related, um, but we call them twiblings because they are not quite twins and not quite siblings because um, you don't really know a lot of siblings who are only seven weeks apart. Uh, just happens to be a very interesting story. It's a very interesting story. That's why I was so excited when you agreed to come share it with us today. Um, why don't, and I know you have had a long journey. Um, why don't you bring us back towards the beginning when you first started mm -hmm. trying to grow your family and just tell us a little bit about what, um, the fertility journey was like for you. Sure. Um, so it is a long and lengthy story. It was, you know, six and a half sort of grueling years of <clears throat> figuring, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, initially, you know, I, I met my husband, we bought a house, we did all of these things. And um, we kind of did stuff a little bit backwards, because we didn't get married. Previously, we like bought the house, then started trying to have kids and then did the wedding and all of that other stuff later on. But <clears throat> obviously, like, while we weren't able to have kids for a while, we were like, well, I guess we should just get married and do all <laughs> do yeah. all the things in the right order maybe yeah. <laughs> um but we started trying and first you know month or two in I had a positive pregnancy test mm -hmm. and I was initially kind of shocked because I, mm -hmm. I I guess weirdly enough I I had a feeling like it wouldn't be that easy mm -hmm. I I I was 34 four, just about to turn 35. And, you know, I was like, well, I'm older. I don't know how easy this is going to be for me. 
Um, and so it happened and I was like, okay, well, I, I thought this was going to take a little while and, you know, I'm a little nervous about things and, and, um, this is kind of wild. And I went to my doctor, I got blood tests tested. I, everything was great. And then I started miscarrying. So unfortunately that pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And a few months later, we tried again and I got pregnant again, very easily. Um, and I really thought this was it. You know, I, my, my sister had had a, a miscarriage before having her three kids. I heard of people having single miscarriages. And so I was like, okay, well I had this miscarriage, like, you know, sad. And I was sad about it, but at the same time I was like, it was easy. And now I'm pregnant again. And this was easy. So, you know, maybe my sister needed to have one miscarriage and have all her kids. Maybe I just need to have one miscarriage and have all my kids. So you know, <clears throat> not hugely stressing about things. And um, at about seven and a half, seven and a half weeks, eight weeks, um, I had some spotting and went in and just try to see the baby's heartbeat and there was no heartbeat. So oh yeah, so at that point, I was like, okay, this is um, not going as planned. And this is different for me to I've really not heard of anyone who's had two miscarriages in, in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe I'll see a specialist. Maybe I'll, you know, before I start trying again, like maybe there's something wrong. I should make sure that everything is okay before we continue to move forward. Cause this was horrible, you know, painful and sad and, and all the things. Absolutely. Um, so we did, we, we seeked help and, saw uh, a fertility doctor and got everything checked out. Everything checked out fine. Everything with me, everything with my husband looked totally fine. Um, and if I do refer to my husband, his name is also Alex. So I'm not speaking in third person. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that is something that you have to explain a lot. <laughs> Very often. Or if someone like is overhearing these you know, say a story about my husband and they don't know who I'm talking about. They're like, I had no idea what you were talking about. You're just referring to yourself in third person. I have no idea what's happening. Got it. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> just to clarify. Um, so yeah, everything checked out for us. And the, the doctor at the time said, you know, let's, let's move forward. We'll give you progesterone and baby aspirin to, you know, maybe you've had low progesterone, maybe, you know, some of these sort of minor things are happening with you. And so we were just doing natural cycles being monitored there. Mm -hmm. And of course, then I couldn't get pregnant. Oh, no. So all of a sudden, we have these two pregnancies that happen very quickly, but end in loss. Yeah. And now I can't get pregnant. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Oh, mm. thanks. Yeah, it's 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 a roller coaster it going is. through some of this stuff. Yeah. So when you throw in miscarriage and infertility, you're mm -hmm. like, you know, kind of all over the place. I'm um sure. and we we struggled with now, you know, being worried that I couldn't get pregnant. And if I did get pregnant, was I going to stay pregnant? So we stayed at this clinic for a while, did some, some natural cycles. I think I had another 
pregnancy at some point uh, that again ended in loss with all of the medications that they had put me on, which weren't many because they hadn't found anything really wrong. Um, so I miscarried again at that clinic. And at that point I decided I would switch clinics. Mm -hmm. They were, they were really pushing IVF for me. And at the time I just wasn't ready to go that route. The big commitment. It is a big commitment. Um, and I think that it, it was hard for me having had two mm -hmm. easy pregnancies right? to grasp why I needed it. That I would feel the same way. And they probably couldn't give you that answer. They couldn't. And, and I think that, it, I mean, IVF is such a strange thing to that, that often I think doctors go to with recurrent pregnancy loss because they think there there's maybe just a bit more to be able to manage that way. And, yeah. and so, you know, as time went on, I started to understand it a bit more. And as I wasn't getting pregnant very easily, mm -hmm. I started to understand it even more because I was like, oh gosh, like maybe we need to figure out, you know, make some embryos that are, we can see are good mm -hmm. and then put those inside my body. Got it. So how <laughs> Because far... maybe that's the problem. Right. So how far into this journey were you when you switched to the new doctor's office? I was probably, I had probably done a year and a half. Okay. And I was probably a year and a half in and, uh, or maybe, maybe I was two years in, I think I was two years in and I switched, okay. I switched doctor's offices. Um, and I switched and almost immediately decided that I did want to do IVF at this new clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, I was with, um, a doctor who was an immunologist, um, and, you know, had some other tests done, was really hoping that I would find a problem that was solvable. Yeah, for sure. Um, but nothing was solvable. We never found anything. There was, you know, investigation after investigation and everything just kept coming back normal, um, except for my pregnancies. <laughs> it's so, um, it's so weird. And I completely understand that I was in, um, not the same miscarriage boat, but the same infertility boat for many, many yeah. years. And it is such a weird phenomenon, but you do, you want some, you want them to find something, not something terrible, not something, right. you know, life-threatening, but something to where they're like, oh, there's a medicine for that. And right. then it will work. Yes. But you just want like a quick fix, yeah. like a quick, easy, like, oh, we've overlooked this thing. Right. Let's just intervene with this. Exactly. And everything's great. Mm-hmm. But of course, not the case and not the case for so many people, right? Yeah. Obviously, like I think so many of us have unexplained infertility, unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss. Like there's just no rhyme or reason for any of these things, which right. makes it so unbelievably frustrating and really gives you, I mean, uh, even people with, with issues that do have those small fixes, you still have no guarantee with all of this, right? There's just no guarantee to get the result that you want in the end. And I, for me that, and I think for most people, that's the part that is the most devastating is mm -hmm. you keep pushing and pushing and pushing for something that is just kind of like a lottery. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And so it's, it's hard. Um, anyway, so we, we, we kept moving. We, we did a round of IVF. Um, I, 
was able to get two embryos out of that round of IVF, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think being someone who is online a lot and like seeing people online often, you know, you get two embryos and you're like, oh no, this is, this is terrible news. Like there are people out there getting like 20 embryos and I'm <laughs> over here with like these two. Um, and so that was, that was a hard, like, I mean, I, at this point though, now that I've, I've met so many people and I've seen so many stories, I'm like, oh, two, two is actually like decent. Like getting mm -hmm. anything is, it's <laughs> decent. Right. Um, but I think what I had sort of seen and, and, and heard of, I was like, this is, this is difficult to hear that it's just two because I'd already had three pregnancy losses. I was like, well, this is, could just be two more miscarriages for me. Who knows? Yeah. I felt like I was a game of numbers. Like I needed more and more and more to be able to try to make something work. Um, but we had these two embryos and um, I, all the hard work that I'd put into that IVF and all of the, you know, worry and strength and all of that, that I'd gone through with, I was like, you know what I, I want to, not use those embryos right now. I feel like they're so precious. And I did the weirdest thing and did like a 180 and asked my doctor if he would do an IUI hmm. with a, a medicated IUI. Okay. I know such a strange choice, but I think that I felt this cushion of safety having some embryos. And sense. I was like, I was like, okay, I've got these little embryos. They're like, my little babies who are like staying in the freezer mm -hmm. and I'm safe with those. Let me try to get pregnant just another way. And, and this doctor had agreed to put me on some different medications to put me on blood thinners, just in case I, you know, was dealing with some sort of blood clotting disorder that was just oh. under like, you know, that no one had really found. And maybe there were no tests for, he was like, you know, let's just, we'll put you on blood thinners, very safe. We'll, we'll figure all of that out. So I did an IUI, the IUI didn't work. I did another IUI. I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll do one more. Well, we'll see. hopefully this will work. And I did one more. What ended up happening was I, they, I guess I was over-medicated okay. um, from the first one, because I guess when you're doing, I was doing injectable IUI. So I was using Gonal F. Mm -hmm. um, to grow like maybe one good or like two good follicles. And I think I had two with the first round. And then when the next round came, I guess sometimes there's like leftover medication that's like sort of still sort of stimulating you for that next round. And I had too many follicles. Gotcha. So I had, I had four follicles and mm -hmm. the doctor was like, we don't, we don't want to go ahead with this, we'll cancel it because then there's too high of a risk for multiples. Mm -hmm. Um, and the interesting thing was, is I guess the night before I'd had sex with my husband mm -hmm. <laughs> before they canceled it, uh -huh. not, not knowing right? that we had these extra follicles oh my and gosh. they were like, they were like, okay, but you're fine. Just don't do anything from this point on. And we were like, okay, like I uh -huh. am a terror. I'm terrified. I don't want to have, at that point you're worried you're going to have four babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I don't want to be that story. I'm okay. Like twins was like, 
you know, twins was always like, that would be okay. I could do twins, but like, I'm not, I, I don't want any more than that. Um, so we stopped and lo and behold, I randomly got pregnant oh that cycle. Goodness. So I must've ovulated faster than they thought that I was going to ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so it just all kind of worked out okay. <laughs> in a terrifying way. So yeah. I, I got pregnant. I was very scared up until we had a, a first ultrasound. The first ultrasound was perfect. It was a singleton baby. <laughs> and um, everything was going really well. And then at 10 weeks, we were going to graduate mm-hmm. from our from our fertility clinic. And I went in again, and there was no heartbeat for that baby. Oh, my gosh. So loss mm-hmm. number four, which was... I think this was the most devastating for yeah. me because I was really, it was, it was done. We were graduating our clinic. I had a appointment with a midwife booked for the following week. I was like, I, everything was done. Everything was sort of ready to go. I was very nervous through that whole pregnancy though. Um, you know, just like, is this going to work? Like how, I was like, you know, just so concerned and like, like anyone would be. And like, I have been through all of my pregnancies since since having multiple miscarriages. Um, and the hard thing with this loss for me was not actually, interestingly enough, the emotional side of it was devastating no matter what. And it always has been. Um, but physically, I was put in a situation that was really difficult where my clinic that I was at at this time, they didn't do sort of in-house surgeries. So they couldn't perform a DNC for me. And so they were going to refer me out to a hospital to do it. And the hospital was a two to three week wait. So So they expected you to just go about living your life. Right. Oh my goodness. I can't even and imagine. Awful. You awful. would certainly think they could escalate situations like that. They, you would. You would yeah. think so. Um, but then again, I guess everyone going through yeah. that type of procedure was dealing with something awful. I guess right? that's true. Yeah. So, um, so it was a terrible situation. It's you know in Canada, it's like it's great that we have healthcare that's paid for. Mm-hmm but you wait. Yeah. A lot of the time. Right. Yeah. That's the drawback. Yeah. 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 So, um, the only thing, the only other option to me and what they had told me was they actually referred out from the hospital. They did a lot of their procedures that couldn't be done there. They did at some abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, well, like we send some of our DNC patients there. They were like, you can call them and see if they have any openings, which was a very strange situation for someone who has a very wanted pregnancy Absolutely, (laughs) to go, to have to go to an abortion clinic and sit with everybody who else is not wanting these pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, very thankful that they were able to take me and care for me and and do all of that and and I'm happy to have had that option but it was weird 
I can imagine, I can just imagine being in that waiting room and, you know, not being able to, but practically wanting to beg someone else to, you know, I will adopt your baby. Right. 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 I was like, we just, just have that baby. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) But, um, you know, I mean, what I'm, I'm very pro-choice and, you know, women, need to be able to have that choice. But at the same time, I was like, oh, all these people don't want these babies. And I, my baby is so wanted and just not here. And so that was really tough. But I remember being in the recovery room and there was another girl in there with me and I was crying because for me, it was really sad. And I'm sure it's very sad for other people who are going through it as well. I'm sure there's lots of mixed emotions with all of that, but I was crying and she came over and she was like, she was like, don't worry, you'll be okay. And I was like, you have no idea what I'm crying about. Right. (laughs) Oh, she's trying to console you though. She was, she was trying to console me. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was terrible. Um, but the worst part was that I was there on a weekend and we had wanted to get the tissue tested from the fetus to see if there were any problems. Cause I hadn't been able to do that with any of my prior losses. Cause it had been early or, you know, I, I wasn't having a procedure done where they could really collect tissue. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing with that was, um, they, were able to collect the tissue, but because the hospital lab was closed, I had to take the tissue home with me. Oh, you're kidding. No. Oh my gosh. Again, I can't even imagine. Brutal. Just Ugh. um like a, I felt pretend. Yeah. That, that people were like asking me to do that, right? Like I was like, there's gotta be like some other way that this right. like do you not have like a fridge you can keep it in until Monday. Like I have to bring it home with me and then I have to take it down to the hospital. So it was not, um, not ideal and pretty traumatic. Um, so that was not great. And, and then the other thing that was terrible was the results from that ended up being that that baby was normal. So they really have no idea still. Yeah. Still no idea. No, like, oh, it was chromosomal, nothing. It was all still just normal, normal tissue, normal baby. No, no answers for anything. Um, So just, you know, causing even more confusion for me, really. So at that point I took like a real break. I was like, I I don't, I was actively trying to not get pregnant, which felt strange. Um, but I was pretty done, like emotionally. I can certainly see why. Yeah. 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 I was pretty done. After that. Yeah. Um, and I left that fertility clinic at that point. Um, I was, you know, I was sort of done with that. I was like, if I ever have another DNC that I need done, or I ever have another miscarriage, I don't want to be at this place where they can't do it in-house. So I moved clinics. Um, And I had another spontaneous pregnancy that ended very quickly, more like a chemical loss. And um, that was like a year after that other loss. So we're we're going like years and years between pregnancies. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, just so many, so many things happening sort of in between testing, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I had this other chemical pregnancy while I was like, I had sort of checked out this clinic, um, and I wasn't really their patient at that point. And I wasn't going to continue at that clinic, but they were sort of caring for me there and they were okay. And they helped me out. Um, but ultimately I ended up switching to a totally different clinic and did another round of IVF at this clinic. And what I was going to, what my plan was, is to do another round of IVF, take these two embryos that I still had at this other clinic and ship them over mm-hmm. to the, to the new clinic. Um, and I wanted everything to get tested, um, to do, um, genetic testing on the embryos. So, <clears throat> so that's what we did. I did another IVF. I got two more embryos. We brought the other embryos over thawed them, biopsied them, refroze them. And we ended up having two normal embryos and one mosaic embryo. Can you, well, two things. One for our listeners who don't understand about genetic testing, that is not yeah. just testing <clears throat> for say like down syndrome. They're, mm-hmm. The main cause of pregnancy loss is chromosomal abnormalities. So right. Uh, I'm, you tell me if I'm incorrect in your situation, but so it's not just testing for a genetic disorder a child might have. It is actually testing, hoping for the best implantation scenario that's, and lack right. of miscarriage. And yeah. then can you explain what a mosaic embryo is? I, I think I can explain a little bit of what a mosaic embryo is, but it's mostly um, that there are abnormal and normal cells in that embryo. Um yeah. And they don't know if it's going to self-correct, um, which it often does, and then becomes to- a totally normal embryo. And sometimes it doesn't, and yeah. sometimes it is abnormal. So there's no real telling. Right. However, they can sometimes tell you if it's a high-level mosaic with more abnormalities or a low-level mosaic with less abnormalities or less serious abnormalities. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> You're welcome. So, so there's always a chance with a mosaic embryo, um, but just not quite as confirmed normal. Um, so I ended up doing a transfer with, uh, with one of those embryos and the transfer didn't work at all. Um, unfortunately, so it was a complete failure, which I I was just, wasn't really expecting, Mm -hmm. um, And so that was really devastating for me to lose one of my two normal embryos. And at that point, that was five miscarriages and one failed transfer. And I was like, this is just too much. And I'm not making enough embryos to like, just keep going. So we talked about surrogacy. We'd had our doctors talk to us about surrogacy um, as an option for us. Um, and we ended up moving forward with surrogacy and found an agency, um, matched with our beautiful surrogate who's, we, we found she was like the, her and one other person were the only surrogates available when we joined. Mm -hmm. And before we even had access to 
messaging her I had seen a picture of her and I went oh I just I don't know why I just like this person like I had just seen a photo of her and I was like I just like her so much and I want her to be you know someone we speak to at least and we connected and we loved her and she loved us and it all worked out wonderfully and we matched is what you call it. You match with your surrogate. And we went forward with surrogacy. And it was really daunting and scary and so many things. And she wasn't, she lives outside of, uh, in, in a different province than we live in. She lives in New Brunswick. So she had to come to Toronto to to do her medical screening with our uh, clinic. And she passed her medical screening. She passed all of her things or Mm -hmm. her psychological screening and all of that flew back home. And then we set up a transfer for her Mm -hmm. with our final normal embryo. We, we were, we were going to do, I was going to do another round of IVF. So I was like, all right, we're, we're all set. We've got a transfer sort of set for the future when we've got everything sort of sorted out. I am going to do another IVF in the meantime. And I did that other IVF and got zero embryos. So (laughs) I was trying to sort of, you know, give myself a little more cushion to have at least a few more possibilities with her um, rather than just one normal embryo. Mm -hmm. Um, But we did, we didn't get that with our next round. So that was, that made things even scarier, right? Because I was like, so oh my God. One embryo to transfer to her. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we would have, and she was happy to to have transferred the mosaic embryo as well. And she would have done that as well. So we had two, but mm-hmm. really like one big chance, right? So we were getting down to the point where she was about to start medications. Um, they were doing like a, a modified sort of Lupron cycle where Mm -hmm. she was usually you would do like three months of Lupron before you would sort of start Mm -hmm. a transfer to sort of shut down your ovaries and your whole sort of system. She like weeks before she was supposed to start that I found out I was pregnant again. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. (laughs) And so what were you thinking though? Because obviously unexpected But like you mentioned before, it's also hard to be excited and hard to trust that pregnancy. So what were your thoughts? Were you immediately sure you were going to continue with going through the surrogacy or did you kind of go back and forth on that? Or I guess what kind of happened then? Yeah. So I did did not waver in wanting her to continue with, with her trying to carry and and doing a transfer with with Trish um but I you know I I was concerned that she wouldn't want to go forward oh okay right I I mean I I was like well if I'm pregnant like Mm -hmm. is she is she gonna want to move forward with all of this and and I don't uh, for me, I was like, oh, I don't want to tell her. I'm just going to miscarry again. And and it's just so annoying to have to tell her. And then, like, I'm I'm making all this drama. Like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm not pregnant. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to 
sway her in any way from wanting to continue if me being pregnant meant that she wouldn't want to do it. Um, Because I was like, well, it's not going to be a big deal. I'm just going to have a miscarriage anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was my feelings about right. all of it. Um, But at the same time, I was like, but there's this chance because I was with this new doctor who had said, look, we're going to put you on like everything, what, what they would nickname the kitchen sink method, right? Everything but the kitchen sink. So he said, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you intralipid infusions. We'll put you on, um, uh, we'll, we'll put you on intralipid infusions. We'll put you on prednisone. We'll put you on, what else was I on? Oh my gosh. Uh, progesterone. I was on so many things. Um, and it, it worked. So I had to tell her at some point before her medication started that I was pregnant. And if things went well with my pregnancy, that was great. But we also wanted her to go forward with a possible pregnancy because we were either going to get zero babies with two pregnancies or two babies with two pregnancies or one baby with two pregnancies. And I was like, two babies and two pregnancies is like the ultimate. Um, my, I, me being, you know, at the time I was 40 and I was like, I have dreams of one baby now because I've been through so much. I can't even imagine that I could have two babies. That's like amazing. So we move forward she moved forward. We did her transfer while I was seven weeks pregnant. And both of those pregnancies resulted in our babies. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is such an incredible story. Ooh. It's wow. a long one. Okay. So I think my first question, going back to pregnancy. So you were pregnant. Your surrogate yes. is pregnant. Yes. Um, I can imagine you have a bit of nervousness about your pregnancy with everything that's been happening. So how did that kind of go? Did you ever get to where you started feeling a little, a little bit more confident? Did you and your surrogate like compare stories? How, how does that work when you and your surrogate are pregnant at the same time? It was really interesting. Um, one thing that I think I got to feel for her um, because I, I, I know a lot of surrogates um, are having babies for people who can't get pregnant or, you know, for me, couldn't keep a pregnancy. Um, so I had all of these feelings for her because I was like, she's seven weeks behind me going through all the same stuff that I'm going through. And so I'm going, oh, like this hurts or like this feels bad or like my reflux is terrible. Like, and I'm like, oh my God, she's doing all this for me like yeah. she's doing all of this for me mm -hmm. um so I would just like randomly send her little gifts or like Aww. sometimes I just randomly send her reflux medication I was like you're not gonna need this yeah <laughs> uh, so so there was that aspect of it that was really great um I I am so grateful that she went through it with me because I think in a way it made me feel more comfortable mm 
not, not like I, not like I had a backup baby, but that I was going through something knowing that like, I wasn't the only one going through it. I was, I was going through it with someone else. We both had these babies. I, I wasn't, I felt like with, with pregnancy and when I was pregnant, I was like the only one. And like, it was all on my shoulders. And if I lost the baby, I lost the baby and it it was me, right? Like you feel a lot of guilt. And I felt a lot of pain about that being just my job and what I was going through and it was my fault or things like that. I, I mean, I look back on everything and I, and I, even at the time, I, I, I know I didn't believe all of that, but you feel that stuff. Sure. Well, your brain can feel one way and your heart can feel another way. I mean, Absolutely. you can logically know it wasn't your fault, but yes. you can still have those feelings. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there was something about her going through all of it with me at the same time that made me feel like we were sort of in this thing together. Um, and we were having these babies and, um, I definitely felt more worry about my pregnancy because I knew my history with loss Mm -hmm. and she only had history of success. Mm -hmm. So her, she had two kids of her own. Um, and then she did a surrogacy journey before ours and she had twins Oh wow! <laughs> for someone else. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I have always said to her since then that she's just a magical person who brings people to babies, no matter how they get to them. <laughs> that is a special gift that she has. Yeah. Because both of her surrogacy journeys, she gave people two babies, but <laughs> just in a totally different way. Right. Um, so I, I joke with her about that still. And, um, it's true. It's, it was, it was just, I, I felt concerned for my pregnancy and less concerned for her pregnancy because I, I felt confident that that baby would be okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, Trish has got it. She's, she's, she's got it. I, I had concern for me and, and what was going on in my body, but I knew our baby who's, whose name is now Loic, who Trish was carrying. I knew Loie would be okay. Like, I just knew, like, it was like, he's good. He's, she's got him. She's, she's on it. So, so he'll be did, all right. How did you guys figure out? So as you guys start to get closer towards the end, and I know you were seven weeks ahead of her, but then she was somewhere else from yes. your town. Like, how did you start figuring out the logistics of everything? So we, we sort of had some discussions like, oh, well, if you get pregnant, like maybe you could come here and like stay here for like the last few weeks of your pregnancy and, you know, we'll take care of you and we'll do all these things for you. And, you know, you'll be very well taken care of here. And so she had sort of thought about that, but like had never like truly answered a yes to that, which I also understand. Um, I mean, especially as I was going through pregnancy, I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to go in. I wouldn't want to go anywhere feeling like I'm feeling like I want to be at home and I want to be with my, my people. And so the closer we got to her, um, actually having the baby, the more she was wanting to stay home. And I completely understood. Um, although I was sad because it would have been so simple Mm -hmm. to have her here for us I knew it was really difficult for her emotionally physically like that's asking a lot of someone to just you know 
pick up and she would have had to drive at that point or someone we were going to our, our plan for that would have been that Alex was going to drive out there and drive her back here. And that's just a lot yeah. for her to have done that kind of road trip at, you know, 37, 38 weeks, like crazy. So she ended up wanting to have the baby there. And I was a hundred percent for that. The unfortunate thing at that point is I had a seven week old baby. Right. So, okay. So you had your baby. Yes. And his name is what? His name is Wilkin. Okay. So you had Wilkin. Yep. And then she had about seven more weeks to go. Yes. Okay. So then what happens as she gets closer to having the baby? So she's getting closer to having the baby. I have this tiny little guy who I've had. Um, and he was not easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was a colicky baby. He was a scream till he turned purple in the face in the car kind of baby. And I was like, what the hell? And you're like, and we have to get 17 hours from here. Right. Okay. So I was like, this is not happening. We can't bring this baby to New Brunswick. We cannot bring this seven-week-old baby to New Brunswick. Uh, we will all die. <laughs> we will. It will. We will all be terrible. Um, we like. We'll. We'll get ten minute. Like I was doing ten-minute drives with him and having to pull over because it was an unbelievable scene of this tiny child. So I was like, we we can't do this. However, we do this, we're not taking this baby. Um, and I'm nursing this baby at the time too. So exclusively at this point, exclusively nursing this baby. And, and that's another thing that I was planning and wanting to do was to nurse both of these babies. Cause I was like, well, at least like, if I have the baby first, then I'll be producing milk and I can maybe Mm -hmm. make more milk and have two babies have this milk. So, so that was another thing I was, I was trying to do and up my supply with pumping and all of these things that I was trying to do. But I was like, well, now I can't, I don't know if I can leave this baby because he's, he's not bottle feeding at this point. And so I was trying to give him bottles and that wasn't working. And I was like, and I'm not, I can't leave my baby here. Who's only known me for this amount of time, but I also want to be there so badly for my other baby. So it was a really, really horrible like decision to have to make because I didn't want to make a decision. I just wanted to be with both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately what we ended up doing um, and the one thing that worked was, (laughs) and we kind of called it this, but it was like operation, get baby back here as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. So Alex drove out to New Brunswick with my sister who's had three babies Okay, who are now teenagers. I got it. Yeah. So you're bringing a professional. So brought a professional along um, and they went out to New Brunswick. I stayed here with the baby, the, Mm -hmm. the original baby, the first baby. And they... My sister was so sweet. She, you know, when, and, and 
what ended up happening was Tristan actually, she wanted to do everything alone in the room. So I'm actually glad because for part of it, because I, I wasn't there, but no one else was in the room with her. She did it alone and she wanted to do it alone. And that was her decision. And I respect her, like it, that's her and her medical, she wanted the medical team there and she just wanted to do it her way and be alone and not, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a hard thing to have people come in and watch you do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, absolutely. I, I don't know if I would want a bunch of people watching me do that. Right. I get it. <laughs> I feel like they're, their baby or not their baby. Mm-hmm. That's still you. And you have to just we'll have these people be there. Um, so what ended up happening was he was brought directly after her birthing him, he was brought straight to my husband's room. My sister was there. She had me on FaceTime Mm -hmm. and she was like, I, I, I'm not looking because you need to be the first one to see him. That was really thoughtful. She covered her eyes and held the camera and let me see him um, as soon as he walked into the room and I got to be there holding our other baby who was sleeping and so watching him like come into the room and it was really um, like really amazing and sad that I wasn't there but beautiful and so many things Um, and you know the the one thing that that I loved. And because this was all during some very strict COVID times, some of, some of this as well, when she did her transfer, um, in Toronto, I was there for the transfer and my husband Mm -hmm. wasn't allowed to be. Mm -hmm. So I got to watch that baby go into her (laughs) and he Mm -hmm. got to be there when that baby came out. Oh, that's a great way to look at it. So I got to sort of meet him while he was teeny weeny tiny. Yeah. And then my my husband saw him right at the end. So, and then they, they kept him for 24 hours at the hospital. Just that's there in New Brunswick. That's standard. They keep Mm -hmm. the babies for 24 hours and make sure everything is good. And then my sister and, and Alex just drove straight home. So That's a a good team right there. All of you. They were a great team. There was a lot of, you know, text message threads and photos. And there's like a beautiful um, little video of them driving home with him. And there's like a rainbow in the background of like through the back of the window of the car. So he got to drive home with a rainbow behind him. And that's amazing. Really, really beautiful. Um, and then they made it home and it was like two in the morning and I'm there with, with this sleeping baby and this other new baby and they just came in and they got to meet right there. So it was really, really, really unbelievable, unbelievable to like meet your baby like that. (laughs) It's such a cool story. And that'll be a cool story to tell the boys as they get older too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's, it's funny cause there's pictures of them. Their first picture is like one, one on a phone and mm-hmm. one not on a phone. So like the picture is taken of the phone mm-hmm. of them next to each other. <laughs> Those are just good stories though. Cause like when our, our babies were 
born at the same time, but they were in the NICU for a long time. So they were in their right. own rooms. And so I think around seven or eight weeks, we were able to move them and like where we were close enough where we could get them in one picture. Oh, and we're right. like, that's their first picture. So it makes for cool stories and cool memories. It does. It does. And that, that, you know, NICU, I can't, I can't even imagine doing the NICU because that would be really hard. Like all of that is so hard. Not... It's all just super unique. Every, everything has its, you know, its yeah. journeys, yeah. but so then you have two newborns basically. Yes. So life probably went from crazy to extra crazy. I can imagine. Yeah. Cause I think for anyone who's had a singleton, you, that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Like having one baby is really hard mm-hmm. and throwing in the second one that's like, hasn't grown that seven weeks with like, you're like, Oh, hold on. We're just like restarting again. Let's just reset. Wow. And that was so hard. It was so like, I mean, it was wonderful and, but it was like, just mind numbing. Like you're like, Oh my gosh, did we, we just did this. We just got through all these like hard stages. Mm-hmm. However, at seven weeks, you're, you have a baby who's not sleeping very well. Mm-hmm. And at newborn, you have this baby who's sleeping all the time and you have to wake them up. So that's I, a very good point. <laughs> so it wasn't so bad at that point. I was like, okay, this, this tiny baby is sleeping all the time. This is okay. I can deal, mm-hmm. <laughs> deal with that's this. That's a but really good is, point. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad, but I honestly, I don't even remember when I slept. I don't know how, Yeah, small, I don't know small when stretch. I slept. Yeah. I, it must've been very minimal at some point. Cause I, I don't remember. <laughs> Sleeping, eating, those things just kind of happen enough to keep you. I mean, you must've done it at some point or you would, yeah. you know, but absolutely. So remind me again, how old are the boys now? So Wilkin is just over 15 months mm-hmm. and Loic is coming up to, I, I mean, he's, he's uh, 13 and a half months or almost 14 months. So they're, That's they're both getting there. Yeah. That's so cool. And at what? this point it's like the development stuff is very similar. Kind of even down. And Loic actually like surpasses Wilkin in some mm-hmm. things at this point, like, like talking, he says many more beginnings of words than Wilkin does. So you just see that the development stuff is just very different and, and can go either way at this Mm -hmm. point. But, but it was funny because early on you didn't see that and you would just see one baby do it. Then the next baby do it seven weeks later. And it was just like, Oh, see you here in seven weeks. (laughs) That is so unique, but that is so interesting. Wow. Yeah. Such a great story. I love it. And yeah, I know you've been through so much in your journey and I'm so happy for you and your family for how everything has turned out. Thank you. So, um, I have one final question that I ask all of my moms. So that is, okay. So you're a super busy mom of these two twiblings, toddlers. Um, if you had a whole day to yourself and you could go anywhere you wanted and do anything you wanted to do, um, where would you go and what would you do? Oh my goodness. Well, I think I'd want to go many places. <laughs> you can have a top three or something. That's okay. The rules are very flexible with this. I think, I think ultimately I would, I would just want to sit on a beach and read a book. 
like a really bad book, like a really bad one, like where you don't have to think very hard, where you don't have to think very hard at all, like nothing substantial, like just like trash book. Um, and like get a massage and get my nails done and, you know, have a whole bunch of wine. It just, just to relax. You just want to relax. I want my body to feel better. Let someone take care of you for once instead of you taking care of two little humans. Exactly. Exactly. Well, like um, Alex and I were talking before the recording and, you know, my two are 10 now. So I was telling her it does get easier. You are in the trenches right now, but it does get easier. And it is so fun having two the same age. And it'll be interesting as your boys get older. So my two are only two minutes apart and they'll both use that. So like my daughter's two minutes older than my son. And so she loves to like, you know, rub it in that she's the older (laughs) one. But if we're playing a game or something, and so it's youngest player goes first, he's like, oh, that's me. Oh, that's so funny. You know. They hold well, on. I'll, that, see, so. I'll tell you something interesting about my guys, though, is that because Loic was made in 2021, oh. or sorry, he was made in 2020, created and frozen. So technically, the technically younger boy is older. older. Correct. That is a thought. So they can they can play with that all day long. I, I don't know. Say, I, don't I don't know, know who's where you want to go with the with the board games on that one, but you have a little well figured out. <laughs> That's, that's a good thought. It'll be an ongoing argument, I'm sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for meeting with me today and sharing your super unique and amazing story. I really enjoyed hearing it. And again, I'm just so happy for you and your family. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. And I, I love being able to share. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump on here real quick and remind you about my books. So Learning to Breathe is our NICU journey from when my twins were born at 24 weeks and just a pound and a half each. And then the NICU Mama Survival Guide is a book I wrote combining my knowledge as a pelvic health PT who's worked in postpartum care for a really long time with my experience as a NICU mom to help moms recover, even though the little one is in the NICU, to help them recover from their pregnancy and delivery. Both books are available on Amazon. Thanks for joining us today on the Mama Sisterhood Podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any extraordinary motherhood journeys. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review. This helps me reach more moms. See you next week. Thank you.